I want to start with a question that came in on Facebook. Somebody wants to know, how do I help my son at school with depression due to lack of friends who will even talk to him? He is in middle school. Oh, middle school is such a tough time yeah. for our kids to begin with. Um, well, there's a shortcut and then there's the sort of longer actual fix. Um, you know, this is kind of a problem that a lot of our kids have, obviously, because they're somewhat delayed or have problems with social skills. And really, the, the right way to deal with it, which might take a year, it might take longer than a year, is uh, to teach your child the things they need to know in order to be effective and um, successful socially. And uh, the best way I've been able to do that and have sort of provided information to families to be able to do that or teachers um, is through Skills, um, our online program and um, specifically on skills there's uh, several different curriculum areas and um, there we have areas that are called social um, cognitive and executive functioning and what I would do if I was this parent is I would um, just become a member for like a month or something go on there and uh, look through those curriculum areas um, depending on the age of your child you'll have either a lot of things to teach or just a few things to teach but uh, the system will tell you exactly how to teach those skills. Um, you know, one of the examples I give when I'm lecturing is uh, a lot of people say, oh, just put your child in school, they'll model and they'll learn and so on. And I find that's not really true. In fact, I find what you're going through here is more common than most people would, would expect because we put our kids in these, to begin with, for all kids, uh, uh, middle school is a difficult time because kids develop at so such a different rate and you have some children who become bullies, other children who just like to make fun, other kids who are going through their own sort of ego stuff and it's a tough, tough phase um, and to make sure that our kids survive and and flourish during those years is tough, it really is. Um, so it would be important to teach skills like how to join a group and socialize, how to communicate with a, a bunch of other kids, what are some, how do I pay attention to the subject uh, matter that's of interest to other kids rather than just myself? Um, how, what are the things that I have to avoid doing that make me seem odd? Those types of things. And so it's, uh, there's a lot of just content material. Um, aside from that, there are generally a few things that make our kids popular. So this is the shortcut. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of our kids have incredible talents in music, let's say, or art. Um, and I really strongly uh, suggest to our families to develop those because they always come in handy. Um, you know, Logan is a good example of that where uh, he may have had difficulties with social skills, but I mean, this is one of our little boys who uh, was uh, actually when he was very young had a uh, one of his self-stimulatory behaviors was shaking his hands like this and we sort of turned that around into drumming and he is spectacular at drumming and I don't know if we've shown on this show but he has several he's been in the talent show and he's like it's spectacular when you see him uh, doing his little drum thing and then the girls in the front row were all screaming for him you know and 
Um, so taking our kids' special skills and turning them into something that other kids uh, are envy, really, uh, whether it's music or uh, art ability or acting even, mm -hmm. um, or sports, mm -hmm. uh, those are the things that tend to make our kids more popular in middle school. Uh, now, and of course, have all of that aside, uh, you know, you just want to make sure that regardless of how popular they are, I mean, you do want to do play dates and you do want to bring kids home. And there's a lot of research that shows that uh, if the child has sort of a, a cool object, let's say um, Dr. Dre headphones right now, you know, then that will make the child more popular amongst friends. So, you know, there's different ways to approach it. We criticize those things. We often say like, oh, you know, this kid always comes to school with something cool. But the truth is, other kids of the same age don't look at it that way. They yeah. just think like, oh, wow, he's got the coolest music, the yeah. coolest headsets, whatever. And those are the things you do. And um, it's when you talk about other kids coming to approach and talk with you, mm -hmm. the research is predominantly take an object to school that's of interest and it'll draw a lot of attention and others will come and ask you about it and talk to you about it. And I think many people could get judgmental about that, about, yeah. well, why yeah. are we making it about things? But I think for those of us who are parents of these individuals on the spectrum, I don't know I don't know about everybody else, but I think, how can I get him through these years? It's not going to be the rest of his life, but this is a period of time when the other kids, that's their currency. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we criticize a lot of things that we do ourselves. Like, I mean, look at the entire world and how the world responds to celebrities. Yeah. I mean, there really is nothing different with a celebrity than the fact that uh, perhaps they're very beautiful or they're mm -hmm. funny or they have a lot of money. I mean, right. and the truth is, you know, people are drawn to celebrities for a variety of re those reasons. And it is all materialistic type stuff. But nevertheless, we're talking here about therapeutically what to do to make our kids more popular. Right. It gets it done. Right. So great advice. Right. We are going to take a short break and then we're going to be back with more Ask Dr. Doreen. Stick with us. Welcome back. We are here with Dr. Doreen Grampache, an expert in the field of autism. And really, I always like to say a visionary because that's what you are. You Thank have you. the ability to see what our kids need today and down the road. and and. I, I've said this before and I'll say it again, you are phenomenal at taking other people's perspective. <laughs> uh, you put yourself in their circumstance and see it in a way that I, I don't know anyone else who does. And, and so it's a, a, a treat and a delight to have you here thank answering you. our questions. Right, thank um, you. We had some more people writing in questions tonight. I'm going to start with this one because I think it's really interesting. Hi, Dr. Doreen and Shannon. My son just started ABA with CARD. I have my IEP meeting today. All the assessments that were done by CARD in school districts show great delays and deficits in all areas. It's depressing to see how uh, all these low scores, how much he is delayed. My concern is, would ABA help him catch up with all these categories of delayed aspects, educational and normalcy? He is turning three on Sunday. Mm. We got him 40 hours of ABA. You're on it, and I love that. Uh, according to the school assessments, he meets all criteria to receive everything. I'm obviously going to try to uh, take OT and speech and continue with card for ABA. Uh, and, but they continue to write, I'm helping 
helpless, please help. I'm the mother of a child who was receiving 10 hours through the regional center before. I have him center-based in your Garden Grove office right now. And she, and she writes, thank you and God bless you. And, and I just want to stop and say for a second, for those of you who are watching and you have heard everyone come on the show and talk about that 25 to 40 hours and maybe you've gotten 10 or 15 hours, this is an example of one parent who asked and heard that's not enough. Right. And, and got right. it done. Right, right. Absolutely. So kudos to you for yes. getting those hours. That's a hard thing to do. You, you've done everything that you should do at this point. Um, and so to answer your question, yes, the whole, the, the purpose of ABA and the way, especially the card style of doing behavioral intervention is really to catch your child up on everything, everything. So yeah, academic being the least important to me at this point at age three. Um, but yeah, we're talking language and social and cognitive and, and everything, all the different areas. And so your lesson plan, your programs will consist of a variety of lessons within those all, all areas of functioning. Um, and your supervisor will choose those based on more on, uh, you know, the, the ones that are the most delayed and so that we can kind of get your child ready for school uh, over the next year or two. And, um, you know, don't worry, you're, you're in the best place right now. Your child's just turning three. This is, uh, you have intervention at an early age. That's fabulous. Um, you have a lot of intervention. You're with us. Um, we're a good company, so yes. we're gonna do well with My you. Best. And the only other thing I would do is, um, you know, two things, I guess. Try to get on my calendar at some point. Uh, you don't need to do it right now. You can do it over the next year so that I can see you at some point here in uh, um, LA, in Tarzana. Um, when when I do that, you're, you come with your supervisor, maybe a senior therapist as well, and we will review the whole thing together. And I'll make sure things are on track. Um, and secondly, uh, just make sure that there are no medical underlying issues. Um, you know, look and make sure your child's sleeping well, make sure you're on a healthy diet, uh, make sure you have tested for allergies or things that your child is not able to process very well, possibly, you know, with a lot of our kids that would be gluten, casein, maybe corn, maybe soy, I don't know. But you know, the, the, the stronger your child is immunologically and can sleep well and all that sort of stuff then uh, they the faster they learn and the better our kids do um, so that's something important to do check the medical status of your child and stay involved uh, you know um, if you and I will be the first to say this I have I don't know somewhere close to 200 supervisors in this company um, and I we put a tremendous amount of effort on our cl clinical quality. I mean, all the from we have the most senior of our staff doing our trainings for our supervisors. Like our training organization, IBT, is uh, some of those folks have been. Most of those guys have been with me for over almost twenty years. Yeah. You know, um, and so they are the best of the best people, and they are just fabulous. Uh, so our, your, the supervisors at Card receive incredible training and they receive incredible ongoing oversight. Our quality assurance department, you know, Sienna, she's uh, uh, getting her PhD in this field, almost done with that. She's been with me for ages and ages as well. 
well and really really looks at the quality of the cases our clinical director Evelyn Kong she's amazing and oversees all these cases I just yesterday added someone else to that uh, to the clinical department mm -hmm. who's also a, a very old-time supervisor who will just be looking around um, at all of the uh, patient's progress. We have a lot of oversight, but you know, having said that, you are the parent and uh, just, you know, become a team with your supervisor and with your staff. You will have difficulties. Uh, there's no question. Um, you'll have therapists who cancel uh, for one reason or another. You'll have therapist changes occurring because the therapist schedules alternate due to the fact that most of our therapists are also um, college students getting their master's degrees or something. And so, uh, you know, be patient about that stuff. Don't worry. Don't panic work together with your supervisor um, and stay involved. A lot of the cases that the children that do really well is because the parent is involved um, and is able to learn. Um, I, one of the things I plan on doing, I haven't done yet, I should do, is really start to mandate for all of our families to go through a whole series on IBT training because I really feel like parent training is so critical. You will be trained through us anyway because your supervisor will, will show you so much and teach you so much, but you know, theoretical training, class time type thing on, on web-based intervention or um, training, which is what IBT does, Institute for Behavioral Training, is critical. It's really useful. I mean, you know this, Shannon, right? Oh, it's just so the more important. you know, the more you understand what your child is doing, and the more you know how to intervene when we're not there. Yeah. I, I always, the, the, the thing that somebody said to me at CARD that I wrote and put on a, on a wall that we had in our uh, house, our, our condo, was, I don't want to be the weakest person on my child's team. Oh, that's awesome. And and that was the thing that overrode everything else. I want to make sure that- That's a great that, saying. Yeah, I, and somebody from CARD said, to me don't be the weakest person on your child's team right and and that I went okay I that I can do it doesn't require that I be the the strongest person right. I you know because I had some rock stars some of the yeah. people that you're that are doing that training sure. were are rock stars but to not be the weakest person on the team right which meant I had to frequently run to catch up with the pack right. but it gave me a goal right absolutely and was essential yeah and and also knowing that ABA is not just sessions of time that are restricted to 40 hours. When you know how to um, reinforce and take away reinforcers and modify antecedents and consequences and so on, you do it all day long, you do it all the time, and your child is essentially learning. You as a parent have a huge effect on handling certain things with your child. Um, there, you know, If I have a parent who's really involved and they're pretty consistent with how we handle challenging behaviors, the behaviors are gone in like four to six months, you know? If I have a parent who doesn't understand how behaviors cannot, challenging behaviors shouldn't be rewarded and so on, and they keep giving in, right. the behaviors go on forever and it hinders the child's learning. Yeah. So there's a lot you can, your influence as a parent is tremendous. Absolutely. And I would just like to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm reading what you wrote and it sounds very familiar to me because my son, uh, he had his first IEP two weeks 
weeks before his third birthday and he started with CARD two weeks after his third birthday. And when I went in for that IEP meeting, he was significantly behind in everything with one exception. He could stand on one foot in balance. And they said, you know, in this respect, he's like a four-year-old. And I kept clutching to that because it was the one thing that he was ahead. Everything else, there were things that he tested. Uh, he was about to be three and he tested as a one-year-old. There was something that he tested as a six-month-old. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, my husband and I left that meeting and I said, I, you know, I just, I don't know whether I want to go drink or go lay underneath the bed, not even underneath the covers, go underneath the bed. It just seems so insurmountable. How are we ever going to get there? And I remember during the meeting, they said, well, what is it you want? And I said, I want him to go to kindergarten on time in a typical class and be caught up. And the one woman said, oh, well, you know, that's mm. going to be difficult. And I got really angry. It was really a defining moment for me because I said, you know what? I I'm an autism parent. Don't talk to me about difficult. Talk to me about what's possible. And what I was hearing from CARD was that it was possible. I didn't get a guarantee because all of our kids are different, but I heard that it was possible. If I did X, Y, and Z, it was possible. Right. And we there we have a video of, of what my son went through um, because he did go to kindergarten on time with his peers in a typical class caught up. In that two-year time period, CARD got him caught up. It wasn't to say that he was done in that yeah. moment, yeah. but he was ready for kindergarten. Right, right. And that's a really important point. I mean, first of all, I hate that there are people out there that are still ignorant and are still just, uh, you know, they think they're actually doing you a favor by, uh, you know, telling you not to be hopeful. Right. Which I think is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Uh, you're, I will never forget many, many years ago. Gosh, I, like, I don't know, early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, I had, when I started to go to court for families a lot in the early 90s, that was in California, we were trying to get funding for everyone. So I was testifying on behalf of our kids a lot, a lot. And I remember, I will never forget this one hearing I went to in uh, the Simi Valley area. And I will, I'll just never forget that the judge, the hearing officer, um, it was against the, it was with the regional center actually, and that regional center is much better and works with us much nicer now. But uh, back then, they actually my my telephone number. This is so far back that was my, the first office. It was in Encino, and the phone number was um, nine nine five Hope. It's spelled out four six seven three. It's spelled out Hope. And um, they, the hearing officer was very upset about that. Why would I have a phone number that spelled out hope? Uh, and was I not uh, being unethical in terms of uh, giving parents hope. I mean, that's one example. And then I can take you back to just two years ago, Shannon, just two years ago, um, when, um, we had a family in a different state, I won't say, and, um, the, the board of psychology in that state where I am licensed, I'm licensed in multiple states and the board of psychology of that state, uh, brought me up and said, because in that state we had published an article 
that showed um, that half of our kids had recovered. And uh, the the one of the people on the board brought me up uh, and said, showed me the newspaper article because you know we say recovery. I don't really know English is not my first language, but I don't really know what the difference is between recovery and cure. I mean, I, there is some sort of a subtle difference, but I'm not sure I could vocalize it. Right. But anyway, the, the board officer uh, brought the newspaper article because the, the journalist had written, you know, card claims to cure children from mm -hmm. autism. And he was like, you know, this is unethical and completely unprofessional and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, really? Why? I mean, this is a good example right here, you know. <laughs> it's like there's so many people that um, are doing great and functioning yes. and speaking about it. and. Oh gosh, the day that, uh, you know, it'll be such a great day for me, the day that people actually accept the fact that some of our kids recover. And the, the issue is more that what you said, which is very important, is that it's not like you go through, some kids do, some kids go through like two to three years and they're completely done with everything. Other kids, within two to three years, they they join the mainstream and they're not really other, you know, they're at a point where they can interact with their peers, they can join in, they can come back and talk to you about it, they can, they start to process and analyze, and then therapy takes another four years after that at a lower intensity, right. but, uh, you, you know, some of my kids who've recovered have been in treatment with us for 10 years, Yeah. Um, but the point is that, they, the and, and the, the more important point is, there isn't anyone who doesn't improve, Yeah. so um, these are all really important important things don't be afraid don't worry you know you're doing everything right at this yeah, point you're in the right place and you're so far ahead of the game that he's about to be three you've already got the funding for 40 Absolutely. hours oh my gosh I, I, the whole first year I fought for that I got about halfway through I got the 40 hours on right, board right. and uh, that first year I, I would just say as a parent fasten your seatbelt you know be on the team don't be the weakest person and get ready for the ride of your life because in a year your life is going to look so different than it looks today. Right. Absolutely. It's going to be amazing. And, 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 you know, you're concerned about, is it possible to get caught up? I know firsthand it's possible to get caught yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So it's doable. It's pretty amazing. We should take another break and then we're going to come back with more of your questions after these messages. Welcome back to Autism Live and to Ask Dr. Doreen. We have with us in the studio, Dr. Doreen Grampache. She is an expert in the field of autism and she is answering your questions right now on the live feature and on Facebook. You can go there, www.autism-live.com, and in the white box, just type what you want to put, hit enter, and it shows up magically here. You don't have to log in. There, there, you're not registering with a credit card. It's completely anonymous. Unless you want to leave us information so we can get back to you, which the next person, I'm not going to show the question because they've left their information. Uh, hi, Dr. Green. Just wanted to know if you're ever going to be in the New Jersey area. I have a three and a half year old son who I think can be recovered because of all the stuff he knows and how he acts. But there's something missing. I don't know what. I would travel without thinking twice to see you. I would do anything for my son, but I can't do to my being an immigrant, so I can't travel. Please, if you are ever thinking of being around New Jersey, please let me know. And they left their email and she said to say thank you to you. You are an angel. Mm, that's very nice. Um, I don't know why they can't travel as an immigrant. I mean, you mm -hmm. can still come to California, but still, 
Uh, we have an office in New York, in Larchmont. Um, we have another office in northern New York as well. But we're actually opening, uh, and we have patients in New Jersey even right now. Like, we have a bunch of patients in New Jersey. I'm not sure exactly what parts of New Jersey, but I know that uh, some of the supervisors from the Larchmont, New York office travel to New Jersey every week. They have patients there. So if you're interested in actually being seen by one of our clinicians um, in New York or in New Jersey, what you have to do is contact the Larchmont office. You can, you can actually contact our 800 number here. So go on our website centerforautism.com and go in the admissions section I guess or and just put it you know ask for someone from Larchmont to get in touch with you. And Emily can put up the 800 number too yes, so that yes. you guys can see. Absolutely you can call the 800 number as well. So the senior uh, sort of the regional uh, I guess manager for the area in New York is Deidre and she is fabulous. Deidre is she's a BCBA and she's a specialist itinerant teacher and she's lovely human being and she's spectacular with all levels of kids and she's been with me for a long time so I would recommend that you contact uh, our Larchmont office and ask to have a conversation with Deidre and then um, and so that's one thing you can do because she would assign we have very good supervisors in New York they're very strong people because they're all special ed itinerant teachers as well so they're really strong um, they would come out, evaluate you, your child, meet with you and, and guide you and then also tell you what your options are for funding. Uh, you know, New York State just gave us insurance funding, yes, Yay. and so we can get insurance funding for you as well, depending on your, the age of your child and so on. So that's one thing to do. Seeing me is a different thing. I, I mostly now see patients, I mean, I, I see all of card patients as much as I possibly can, but just to just for treatment, but I'm, mostly parents come to me just for my opinion on if they're doing the right thing and if what else they should be doing. So, you know, I'm always happy to see you. I do go to New York. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't, I'm not sure when my next trip is going to be. Uh, I know I'm going to the East Coast for, for a conference that we're doing in Florida, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, and then beyond that, I don't know that I'm going to New York this year anymore. But um, having said that, uh, my travel is usually listed on our website as well so that you can see the next time that I come out to New York. Mm -hmm. And we are expanding heavily in the New York area. So we're now expand, growing Larchmont, which will be a center-based um, place so that you can actually drop your child off there as well. Mm -hmm. And we're also opening a program um, affiliated with a church in um, Queens. Goodness. And so I'm hoping that we will gradually just open uh, many many sites throughout the boroughs and all around Long New Island, Jersey, maybe. Long Island, all around there so that we can help families just like we have in California, you know, and yeah. I think um, that New York is definitely, now that we have funding, yeah. um, that whole area and New Jersey, of course, uh, New Jersey is one of the states that has the highest incidence of autism. Yeah. So we really want to be able to be involved there.
Really remarkable. Yeah. Okay, so keep in touch, and we've got your email address as well. I will file that so that if we know that Dr. Doreen is going to New York, we'll we'll be in touch. But uh, I would encourage you to reach out uh, to yeah. the the eight hundred number uh, right. and, and the I New mean, York office. One Large of the things I always want to say that, like this other family who was in Florida who came and visited us, who yeah. was part of the Autism Live Show. Um, you know, if you have other families, if you gather, yeah. let's say five or 10 other families and they all want services um, we have a process where if we actually get and since I know we have two or three families already in New Jersey if you guys are all in the same area and you find a few more families who might be interested in services we'll actually open a physical site faster in other words our expansion department kind of lines the sites up based on the need and so your New Jersey can pop up and go higher on the list so that it would be early next year, middle of next year, that we open a physical site, transfer staff, have uh, center-based services, home-based ser uh, services, school services, everything, um, if we have enough clients there. So that's something you could do, is you could gather other families and talk to them. And that's so doable, and so oh, many yeah. other families have done it. Uh, one of the Mission Possible videos that we feature on the show and that you can watch on the card site, uh, one of the families in Boston talked mm -hmm. about uh, when, when both of their children were diagnosed with autism and she didn't know what she was going to do and how they started as a workshop family but built into being an office which is now two offices right. uh, just right. because they they said what I need for my child isn't here I can't be the only one um, I'm gonna start and somebody will walk me with me and people do absolutely and that's what's happening right now in Florida yes um, and amazing. this was a mom who listens to our show she's probably listening today yes Hi. And we say hello <laughs> to our Florida contingent right and she uh, came out and I evaluated her child as well and she has a program going and she has a fabulous program going because she's following the skills curriculum and she's making sure everybody's doing the right thing and she's a unique mom there are some moms that are just like unbelievable and can move mountains <laughs> You she's know, amazing. She's, she's really amazing. amazing. Yeah, and and I I'm just amazed by people like that. But having said that, every almost every card office I would say that we've had, and we have we're past 25 now, mm. has been opened because of a group of families being there and saying we need your help. Yeah. And then it, you know our pro we're very very lucky now. It's so much easier than it used to be, Shannon. Oh my God, like. You know, now we have almost 200 supervisors who are board certified and they can, they, people yeah. transfer, people yeah. move. So it's not that hard to actually open an office. Yeah. There used to be a time when it was just me and like five other supervisors and it was very hard to open new sites. It's, uh, you know, the future is bright. And Absolutely. The ability to, for, for uh, we've said for how many years we need to level the playing field and make this possible for everyone. We're nowhere near to that, but we're getting closer every day. Absolutely. It's very, very exciting. We should take another break. We'll be back more with Dr. Doreen Grampuche after these messages. Welcome back to Autism Live and to Ask Dr. Doreen. We have with us in the studio Dr. Doreen Grampuche, an expert in the field of autism. This is just such a rare and wonderful treat that, you, and not that rare because we do it every Wednesday, mm -hmm. but it's still, uh, I get so excited about it because in when my son was diagnosed to have had the opportunity to have asked you a question in this format, 
I, I would have been homeless for a month for the opportunity. That's how much it would have meant to me, seriously. Uh, yeah, I've, I've always really wanted to do this. I'm so glad we, I get the opportunity to do this, honestly, because it's so hard. I, I don't think that there's very, very few families over the course of the last 30 somewhat years that I've seen where I haven't connected to the child and the family. And I, I feel like I've learned. I mean, everybody would learn, anybody would learn if you were in the field as long as I have mm -hmm. been, you know? And I've seen so many kids and families and so on. And I've learned. And to be able to share that with a whole bunch of people is, is spectacular. It's lovely. By the way, how long have we been doing this show? I was just thinking about that. Uh, it's been over a year. Well, wow. this is our 403rd episode of Autism Live, Emily just said. But um, yeah, we if you go to our YouTube uh, channel, there are just so many videos and you can search them uh, by different topics. We're, we're starting to work on a feature where there is a, a text written list of all the questions you've answered so that they can be categorized together. I know, that's And that somebody can look up. And, and see, you know, I want to look at what Dr. Grampache has said about toilet training and here are the different questions and you'll be able to click on it and it'll take you directly to that That's clip. amazing. Is this, is that on YouTube as well? Is that going to be on YouTube as well, that it feature? Will, we're, uh, we're planning on giving that to the card site so that people can go there and find the frequently asked questions first and then expanding it to all of them that you've done. We have 43 asked Dr. Doreen's oh, okay. Emily just said. Oh, okay, so that's a, that's a lot of 43 hours. Mm -hmm. And when you watch them on YouTube now, it lists all the questions in the beginning and you can click on the questions you want to answer and it will take you directly to there. Right, so eventually right. we want them all compiled in one place where you can, it's just a reference. You can click that's on great. the question and it'll that's take terrific. you directly so there. So our, our, our anniversary is still coming up, I yes. guess. Well, <laughs> yes. Yes. Kind of cool. So it is cool. It's, it's a wonderful thing and it gets me very excited to, to just be a part of it uh, because I get to sit here and learn with all of you, which is an amazing treat for me. But back to questions. Uh, okay. Hi, Dr. Doreen. Just wanted to know if you're ever going to, oh, that we already asked that one. Let's mm -hmm. go back to the next one. Hi, Shannon and Dr. Doreen. Thank you so much for the great show. My daughter is eight years old. She was diagnosed with ASD at the age of three. She signs and uses AAC iPad application to communicate. She is a aggressive with her younger sister who is four years old. She pushes, pinches, pokes her sister's eyes in most of the opportunities. I think that this behavior is automatically reinforced by the sister's crying because it increases when the sister cries. It is tough to separate them and I'm very concerned about my little daughter's safety. We really need Dr. Doreen's advice regarding this issue and will highly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So it's not I think this parent has probably had some training with um, with ABA maybe because they're using the term automatic reinforcement. This isn't automatic reinforcement. This actually has a function and the function is to get her sister to cr her, to cry. If that's that's what you think, you th your 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 perspective is that what your child's getting out of it is. Um, the ability to make her sister cry. Uh, I'm not sure why that would be reinforcing. Um, perhaps it's attention seeking. Um, I'm not sure what happens when her sister cries, when your other daughter cries. Like, do you suddenly appear? Do you run into the room to try to rescue? You know, you kind of have to think about what the exact function of it is. First of all, so the concept again goes back to uh, 
if she does that, you really have to identify the function a little bit better uh, because you don't, whatever the actual reinforcement is, in other words, let's assume it's the sound of crying. Okay, so she should be able to not get that, she should be able to get that through some other means and not by just uh, aggressing towards her sister. I doubt if that's it. I don't think a lot of our kids really enjoy that. I think it has to do with uh, what happens after her sister cries. You really have to analyze that a little bit better and see like what happens. Why does she enjoy that? Do you then come in and separate them? Do you, does someone come in and um, give her something to calm her down? Uh, what happens that's reinforcing? And then you just have to kind of make sure that that reinforcer is given to her at other times, not when she aggresses towards her sister. Now that's easier said than done. The, the first step of what you do is you, you have to prevent it. So. If, it, if that means you have to have someone there all the time or they have to be separated all the time, you have to do that. That's step one. Um, behavior always initiates based on some function and then it kind of becomes a habit. You have to break that habit. You have to not allow her to physically aggress towards her sister period, you have to block it. And then you have to teach her more appropriate ways to interact with her sister. Until those two things happen, she's gonna continue to do what she's doing because she's getting a reinforcer out of it. We haven't even identified what that is. So we're kind of clueless right now. So can I ask a question? Sure. So at this point, would you say that having, I'm, I'm feeling like an expert to do an FBA on this behavior is right. gonna be like That's the, the best? FBA. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have a, BACB, a BCBA there, if you have someone who's knows how to do a functional behavior assessment. That's what you do. You can go on our online and use our, our FBA and BIP builder uh, software and answer a lot of questions about the behavior and perhaps that'll help you actually do get the function. The function of the behavior is really the reason. Like why is she doing it? Without knowing what she's trying to communicate or why she's doing it, we don't, we can't treat it. Yeah. You always have to do an FBA. If the person, FBAs are usually done by asking you a bunch of questions and perhaps observing the child. If you, and that's how you normally can figure out. If it's very complicated and you can't figure it that way, then a, then a board certified person will do what's called an experimental FBA. An experimental FBA is they'll actually evoke the behavior and see what the child's getting out of it and they'll change the circumstances and then it'll become very clear. So. Uh, you need to know the function of the behavior because the way you treat things, be challenging behaviors, is once you know the reason, like uh, so it's attention seeking or it's a tangible, which means she likes to actually see the child cry, the other child cry, that sort of thing. Once you understand all, all of that, then whatever it is she's trying to gain by her behavior is given to her for more appropriate behavior and is not allowed to be accessed through this particular bad behavior so but unless you know what the reason is you're kind of lost yeah you might waste time and and, and put, do the wrong and intervention in, in jeopardy okay right. but in the meantime i really recommend that you block the behavior you don't allow it to happen because you know first of all this is 
very harmful to the sibling, obviously. I yeah. mean, and secondly, uh, our kids, sometimes our kids really, all they want to do is interact and they don't know how to interact appropriately. So they do these, you know, uh, challenging and maladaptive behaviors but really all they're trying to do is interact yeah so you never know if you teach your child other more interactive types of activities uh, this behavior could just be automatically re replaced Absolutely. Um, so and you know teach her things that would involve maybe physical activity running sports types things maybe they can jump together on a on a trampoline maybe they can throw a ball back and forth maybe they can there's you know other things where there's some form of interaction but not aggressive interaction okay uh we're almost out of time so a couple of quick catch-up things our florida contingent has said that yes they are watching and uh that mom that we said is so incredible she said thank you for all your kind words very emotional moment we're counting down our families are so excited definitely a great year and she sends her love Thank you. Uh, another person wrote it and said that this show is the best kept secret that shouldn't be secret uh, they send their love and she says you are my lifeline you are ours oh, as that's well awesome. um, okay and now we uh, we have a long question but we need a, a quick answer because we're okay. almost out of time Got it. Got it. teeth grinding ugh uh, this Tough little one. boy will be four in December, nonverbal. He grinds and clenches his teeth at random times. I'm finding it is when he gets frustrated and or when he is asked to do something he doesn't want to do or if he's doing something and gets distracted or interrupted. A mouthpiece would be hard to do because one, I know he would not keep it in and two, he does it randomly. His OT suggested jaw massage and pressure, which does help, but when he is in the car and I'm driving, that is hard to do. It makes sense. I have found that since we are working on speech, getting in to say ah or ba 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 does get him to stop and open and loosen his mouth. All of this is a quick fix. I'm looking for something long term to prevent it, him from doing it at all, not just stopping. Suggestions? I'm so afraid that he is going to clench so hard that he will break a tooth or worse, bite his tongue and help in capital letters. Yeah. Uh, I have to answer this one quickly, but I actually have a lot to say about this. Okay, okay. so uh, let me try to get to the point right away. For driving, when you're driving, make sure that he has the, these chewy toys that are like sort of made of rubber and therefore infants who are teething. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure that you have something like that accessible and make sure that you teach him. I mean, you're not going to be able to teach him if you're the one driving and there's no one else in the car. Mm -hmm. But you can, if you have a therapist on hand or if you have a babysitter or someone can help you start to replace the behavior first of all with having a chewy toy because that'll stop uh, hurting his teeth mm -hmm. uh, so you'll give him what he'll learn is that just before he's about to uh, do that behavior he'll grab the chewy toy and start chewing on it so that he'll feel the pressure that he currently needs but it won't be destroying his teeth um, and perhaps also causing problems with his jaw uh, so that's first thing just immediate second thing is um, things like I, I, well do we have the age of the child four. four yeah so you could have someone teach him how to chew gum that would be very good and replace certain be we found that chewing gum is amazing in terms of replacing certain behaviors it's fabulous so uh, you know a, be a behaviorist could it could show you the steps of actually having your child uh, learn to chew gum you might even have that in skills as a lesson. I'm not sure. 
but you, you're welcome to write to our um, ARG or Autism Research Group on their website. They have a paper they've published on teaching children how to chew gum. That will help replace some of this stuff. Now, when ten, when, because of all the things that you mentioned in the first part of the email, it makes me think that the child might be slightly um, stressed when they do this. Mm -hmm. So really you need to uh, teach the child uh, other more functional ways of dealing with stress. Um, and I don't know the level of functioning of the child, So and the child's pretty young. So you just want to teach the child other things, like for instance, uh, deep breathing. Um, like in other words, when an episode of clenching starts, start teaching the child things like relaxation. Yes, um, OTs, also speech pathologists, will show you how to massage this area of the of the jaw and so that the child's mouth opens a little bit and then to do deep breathing and relaxation. This is the area that often people who clench their teeth, they need this area massaged. It's basically the, the mandibular jaw. So you have to like really massage that area and help the child uh, keep their mouth open. Um, yeah, those are some fast ideas.